Welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. We live in a culture that celebrates independence. We love to hear stories of people who take on the world by themselves and overcome the odds to become a success. But oftentimes, that mentality can impact how we view the church. In this week's episode, Francis Chan shares from his heart how the Lord convicted him of the importance of unity and the need to be built together as living stones into his temple. We pray that this message helps you to see the church not as a gathering of individuals, but as the living body of Christ. I had a friend over at my house. He's a pastor um, from here in Southern California, and he was at my house just, I don't remember, a year or two, five years ago. And we're sitting there just hanging out, talking about life, talking about stuff I'm dealing with. And he asked me a question out of nowhere. He goes, hey, do you play basketball? I go, yeah, a little bit. And he goes, when you play basketball, you don't like to pass, do you? <laughs> and I just started laughing. I'm like, why would you say that? But, but yeah, no, I don't like to. I, I, I would rather shoot the ball. I mean, I figure if I'm like an 80% shooter, why pass it to a guy who's worse? And uh, I go, how did you know that? <laughs> he goes, I can just tell. I can just tell you don't trust people. You don't want to pass the ball to anyone. Like you don't, and, 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 and he was just revealing things to me where I'm going, man, I can't believe you could see all of that because it's so true. I don't like to depend on other people. I'm very American that way. I want to know that I've got everything taken care of. I'm independent. I'll take care of this thing. I don't like to depend on other people because I don't trust other people. I've been lied to a lot. I've lied to people. I've deceived them. And so I figure, you know what? They're probably doing it to me. And how do you really trust when I've worked alongside of staff people on churches that are just absolutely lying to me? And you find out about it years later, like, you're kidding me. That whole time you were in that affair, or the whole time this was going on and I had no clue. And so the longer you go on in life, the longer you just go, man, forget it. Forget it, because I can't tell who's telling me the truth anymore. So I'm not going to pass the ball. I'm going to keep the ball to myself. At least I know when I'm lying. At least I, I know the truth about me. And, and, and I hate certain passages in Scripture. Maybe the one I hate the most is Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7. I hate passages like this. That's the story of Achan. Remember the story of Achan, where Achan steals, you know, the, the, these idol things and, and, and hides it from everyone else. But it says Israel's about to go to war. And what happens is because this one guy stole these things and hid it, God decides that he's going to punish. It says the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. And I read that, I go, Why? One guy did this. And then it goes on to say that in verse 5, that the men of Ai, they killed 36 of their men. I'm going, God, 36 men died because of one guy's sin. That's so not fair. I mean, if I were God, which I'm not, 
If I were God, I would have just had Achan die, wouldn't you? Or torture, or just something. And then the story goes, and they went back to his tent and found all these idols, and it's like, ah, we got him. God punished him. But no, Achan was fine. He made it through the battle. 36 other men died. That bothers me. And that bother you? Yeah, and okay, maybe you go, well, maybe we don't know about those 36. Maybe those 36 were cheating on their taxes, you know, and they, we don't know. It was not in there, okay? It just seems like 36 people because of one guy. And that's why I don't like being part of a team. It's like you can mess me up. And if you don't hate that, you definitely hate the end of the story. Because once they find out Aiken's the one that did it, they, they take him out and they stone him. That part's fine. <laughs> the part I don't like and you don't like is they took his wife and kids also and stoned them and burned them. What kind of story is that? That's, that's my kids, man. So my sin's going to affect my kids? My sin's going to affect anyone I attach myself to? That's why I don't like this idea of being dependent on other people. I, I like passages. The ones that I, I've always resonated with are like in 1 Kings. 1 Kings 22, where it says there were these 400 prophets, and all 400 prophets were all lying. But there was one guy, Micaiah. And Micaiah goes, I don't care what every other prophet is saying. All 400 of them are lying. Here's the truth. And he was the one guy to stand for truth. And so I would read passages like that and go, I'm going to be Micaiah. So forget all you liars. It's me. You know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to stand for this thing. And I've had this mindset. I'm just confessing to you where I'm going, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to partner with anyone. I'm not going to hold hands with anyone. No, because you might be lying. And I don't want to associate myself with the 400 liars. I'm going to be like Micaiah. And I've had this attitude like, you know what, God? You and me. You and me. I, I don't care. I don't care about APU. You guys are all liars. You know, it's just this whole... God, you and me, because I don't want to be, I don't want to be mistaken. I don't want to be fooled. I don't want to be lied and I, lied to. I don't want to join myself with an Aiken that's going to pull me into trouble. And so for most of my Christian life, I've taken this attitude where I go, okay, God, you and me, you said, John 15, if, if I abide in you, you abide in me, I'm going to bear much fruit. So that's all I need, God. You and me against the world. You and me against the world. You said if I abide in you, then I'm going to bear a lot of fruit. The problem with that is if you read that passage in John 15 in verse 10, he says something very difficult. In John 15 verse 10, he says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love, these things I've spoken to you that, your joy, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. But then he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So he's saying, okay, you can abide in me. If you abide in me, I abide in you, you're going to bear all this fruit. You want to know how to abide in me? Keep my commandments. You keep my commandments and you'll abide in me. 
He goes, hey, you want to know what my commandment is? Love one another, just as I have loved you. It, it destroys this whole, well, I love Jesus, I just hate the church mentality. God says, you, you, that doesn't work. He says, you abide in me when you love one another, when you attach yourself to other people. And God's really been convicting me of this lately. Because is it right to have this attitude of, no, I'm going to stand for truth? Yes, it is. There, you see that in Scripture, right? I mean, I, I'm sure this school is teaching you and they're raising you up to be young men and women that go, you know what, we're not going to just go with the flow of what everyone says. I mean, the wide road is actually leading to destruction, according to Jesus. And there's a narrow road that leads to life and few will find it and it's difficult. And so we want to stand against the grain and not just go somewhere because everyone's doing it. And so there's this prophetic side to us where we go, no, this is what the Lord says and so, though none go with me, still I will follow, right? We were taught that as kids. It's a, it's a biblical mindset, but it's not complete. We must have that, but there's also this attachment that God wants with the church. And after Jesus said that in John 15, during that time, he, he closes that little gathering with the disciples. He closes it in prayer. And you guys know that prayer in John chapter 17. In John 17, he's praying for unity. And he says some phrases that have really been challenging to me just in the last few weeks. In John 17, in verse 21, I want you to notice a couple of words. There's a couple of phrases in here that have really stretched my faith. In John 17, verse 21, Jesus' prayer is this, that they, these are his followers, that they may all be one. And here's the two words I want you to catch. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Just as? That they may all be one, just as? You, Father, are in me and I in you? Okay, like I'm cool if we just say, hey, you guys, we're all believers, let's hold hands. You know, like let's put aside our differences. We good with everyone? Okay, I'll get on my plane, we're all good. Okay, yeah, we're the body of Christ. But what he prays for is not just get along with one another. This I, I haven't thought about. My whole life I've never noticed this. That his prayer was that you would love me and I would love you and that we would be one just as the Father is in the Son and the Son is in... So the Father and Son, do you think they're pretty tight? And then he says to the church, to the followers, they go, that's what I want with you. I want your relationship to be this oneness that's just as the Father is with the Son. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about wanting to be in a body of believers, being in the church and going, Lord, I want to be as close to that lady over there, that man over there, as Jesus is to you? 
I want to be one with them the way you and the Father are, you and the Son are one. Have you ever prayed that? Have you ever thought that? Have you ever even shot for that? I'm reading this going, man, this is miserable. For a guy like me that doesn't want to trust anyone, doesn't want to attach himself to anyone, doesn't want another person letting him, letting him down. And I don't want to hurt another person. That's why even when I designed church, when we gathered, you know, and I started a church about half an hour from here, 20 years ago, my whole goal was to create a space where people can walk in, do their business with God, and then get out. Because that's what I wanted. I didn't need any more friends, okay? I don't want to walk in and be a part of a body. I don't want anyone hugging me. Just let me get in, abide in Christ, and get out. That was my mindset because I didn't understand the scriptures. I didn't understand what he wanted. And he says, you want to abide in me, love one another. And Jesus, his prayer is that we would be one just as the Father is one. Look, I, I, what am I, I'm not saying, hey, you guys should go to church. First of all, that's not even like a biblical sentence. Go to church? Do you understand that's a weird phrase, biblically? You know, it's weird every Sunday for those of you who go to church and you leave and someone calls you and says, hey, how was church? That's a weird question. They, didn't, they never asked. You think Paul ever asked Timothy, hey, how was church? Because in our mindset, church is this service that we have where a guy talks for 30, 40 minutes, an hour, and then they sing for 30 minutes, and you go out, and church was, how did the guy do on his sermon? How was that? So we've reduced this word church to this 90-minute service. And Paul never asked me, hey, how was church? And to me, oh, Barnabas went a little long. <laughs> Martha saying, Ananias died during offering. It's crazy. It, it wasn't <laughs> scary. That, they didn't think of it in that way. They didn't think, oh, I'm going to go to church and attend a service for 90 minutes. No, it was about this group of people who took this literally and says, okay, man, we're a family now. Man, we're going to be one like the Father is one with the Son. That's why in Acts 2, Acts 4, Acts 5, it says, man, people didn't have needs. They were all one. And if, if someone was in need, it's like, okay, let me go sell something. I'll sell, I'll, I'll sell you know, horses, whatever they have. I'll give you whatever I have because we're one here. That was the church. So I'm not saying go to church this Sunday. I'm saying, no, what God wants is for you to be so deeply attached to a network of people under godly leadership to where you're seeking oneness like the Father has with the Son. And what he says, the other phrase in John 17, verse, verse 21, that's really challenging me, okay? So first he says that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. And then here's the phrase, so that... so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So that? 
the world may believe that you sent me. So Jesus is praying and saying, God, I'm praying that they would be one, like as tight as you and I are, so that the world will believe that I was sent from you. This is the way that the world's going to believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Look, you guys are all in college. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make sense. Why would our unity prove to the world that Jesus is the Son of God? Why would our oneness be the proof, the apologetic? I mean, isn't apologetics when you prove facts and you show them archaeologically, historically, prophetically? Look, this came true. Look, I I researched this historically. This is true. This is true. Now you should believe. And Jesus says, no, your oneness is going to cause that. I mean, that's a challenging thought. Those of you who are thinking, man, I want to reach the world. I want to have these outreaches that change the world. I want to reach hundreds, thousands of people. And Jesus says, well, you you want to do that? Then uh, become one. Become one with the church, just as the Father and Son are one, so that the world will believe that Jesus was sent. Crazy, crazy passages. You you guys ever, um, you ever read the Bible and... uh, I hope you read the Bible, but do you ever, uh, do you ever read the Bible and, and think to yourself, man, I wish I could have been there at that moment. Just, just let me see one of those things. You ever read along and go, gosh, I wish I was there. One of the passages I, I, I read and I go, oh, I wish I was there. That would have been so cool to see is Second Chronicles chapter 7. Second Chronicles chapter 7 is when they finished building the temple. Okay, Solomon just got done building the temple, and he's praying this prayer. They're about to dedicate it, and look what what it says. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven, consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. The glory of the Lord filled the temple, and the priests couldn't enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, for he is good, his steadfast love endures forever. Okay, wouldn't that have been cool? Okay? I mean, just, just take this gymnasium. Okay, imagine all of us have been working on building this. Okay, for, for months. Okay, we, we've been working, 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 and imagine someone puts the last uh, roof thing on and uh, whatever's up there. And, uh, and, and we all step away. And let's say, let's say chapel's not in here today, you know, because we just completed it and we're all outside. Okay, and, uh, and, and you know, John Wallace gets up and, and uh, prays a prayer. That's his name, right? Yeah, okay. Some of you guys were looking at me like, that's not a guy from Braveheart. So, so let's, uh, let's say someone puts that last thing, John Wallace gets up, and we're all, imagine, just try it, just, I know, that far-fetched. Imagine we're outside, and John just says, God, fill this place. And we're standing outside. We're having outdoor chapel, and we see fire come out of heaven. 
okay, and just land in the middle. Oh, and I forgot, we had like a piece of meat in the middle. And, uh, <laughs> and we see like fire come down from heaven and consume a cougar. You know, uh, you know just something like, we're like, whoa, whoa. And then the glory of the Lord filled this place. And we're all outside going, I just saw fire come out of heaven. Man, don't you, you read those passages and go, man, I just want to see that, 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 because there's moments when heaven and earth intersect, right? There's those times where you're like, oh, man, I want to see that. Like, like, it's just the supernatural. No one's going to be able to explain that. And there's the glory of the Lord fills the place. And I'm going, I'm not going in there. Everyone, all the faculty are going, I'm not stepping foot in there. And we all just fall on our faces. And go, wow, best chapel ever. You know? <laughs> Like, man, there's only one of these next week. It's just this whole idea that, wow, that would have been so awesome to see, to be there at the temple. Okay, you guys, a lot of you know your theology. Where is the temple now? Where is the temple? It's not in Jerusalem. Yeah, everyone's going like this, and, and there's truth to that. I'm a temple. I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible's clear about that. Most of the time, though, when it says you're the temple of God, the word for you is plural, and the word for temple is singular. There are times when it talks to us individually, as temples of the Holy Spirit. That's why he says, don't you dare have sex outside of marriage. Don't you dare join yourself with a prostitute. You're a member of Christ. You're going to take the member of Christ and join Christ with a prostitute. Don't you know you're a temple of the Holy Spirit? Like, I, 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 for me to, to, to force God who dwells in me into some sort of sexual relationship that he wants no part of, you're taking God with you. And so, yes, he talks about us being individual temples of the Holy Spirit, but most of the time when he talks about the, the Holy Spirit, like in 1 Corinthians 3.16, when he's talking about the temple, he says, do you not know, do you, and that word you is, is really you plural, you know, from y'all. Do y'all not know y'all, all y'all? are God's singular temple and that God's Spirit dwells in y'all. Okay, so the picture of the temple is not just, oh, Francis is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes, amen and amen, but there's a bigger picture. He says, no, all of you together are supposed to form one singular temple and the Holy Spirit shows up. In fact, in uh, 2 Peter, no, First Peter, First Peter two, he says. First uh, Peter two verses four and five, he says. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves are like living stones. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I love this picture, because what he says is you guys 
are like a bunch of individual living stones, and together you're making a spiritual house, a temple. Like Ephesians says, and it's built on Jesus, who's the cornerstone, and the apostles, and the prophets who are the foundation, and now I'm a stone. That's that's such a crazy thought. Okay, I brought a... uh, I brought a Lego with me, okay? This is a Lego. And he, isn't this awesome? It's all right. But this is what we do. We stand, oh, this is what I've done. It's like, look at me. Look at me. <laughs> I'm awesome. Did you notice these little round, you know, uh, things? And, uh, and, and, you know, this, 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 and look how white I am. My edges, if you look closely, I'm actually different from, every, no two Legos are exactly the same. There's little flaws in that one. I'm a little bit different. And this is what I've done a lot of my life. It's like, I don't want to be attached. I want to be this stone. I'm a living stone. Well, you're not a living stone to stand by yourself. You're supposed to attach yourself and build a temple. See, this... This is not impressive. This is impressive. You know, it's this whole idea of this is the point. We look at this and go, wow, that's cool. And, and, and too many of us are over here just going, no, no, look at me, look at me, look at me. And I've done this. Man, I don't want to attach myself to that. But I think about that picture of the temple. Man, if you're a stone, don't you want to be attached to the temple? You really want to be off on your own because all the temple stones got to look in and see the glory of God. See, this is what motivates us to join together. It's like, I want to see the glory. And if I want to see the glory, then I've got to attach myself to the temple. I've got to be a part of this thing. I can't stand off there by. There were rocks all over Jerusalem. There were rocks all over the place. They, didn't, they weren't a part of the temple. But here were these stones attached. And I'm just learning this. I'm going, God, I've been standing way over here trying to do things on my own, trying to go, no, I'm not going to join you. No, you're not joining me. You're not good enough. And it's like what Scripture is saying, man, if you do that, you're not going to see the glory of God. You've got to say, no, I'm just another stone. I'm just another Lego, and I'm happy to be another Lego if that means I get to join myself to Jesus Christ, who's the cornerstone, and I get to join myself with the apostles and the prophets. They're the foundation. So Micaiah's in there. It's like, oh, Micaiah, you're there. I'm going I'm to jump in with you. Jesus, you're the cornerstone. Are you kidding me? Why would I be over there? I want to be here with you. And then all of us as living stones go, man, forget me. I don't want to be this individual. I don't want to be just by myself. It's not just about my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says he saved us to be one, to be joined together. And as badly as sometimes I just want to be alone, I just decided, man, this next phase of my life, I've got to join myself deeply, become one with some brothers and sisters because I want to see the glory of God more than I want to be by myself and away from everyone. I want the glory of God. This is the one thing I want to see is the glory of God. And I'm not going to see it over there. I've got to join myself. 
I don't know what that means for you. I've got a bunch of brilliant minds in here. And I will tell you, this is not, I'm not belittling or anything. I'm, some of you are more intelligent than your pastors. Maybe you have a higher IQ than them. I have people that I minister to, they're just, they're just flat out smarter than me. And so I know it's difficult for them to come under leadership and trust, well, this is the structure that God's built. We can't, but we can't all just be these people who know it all. This is what I've done. I'm just confessing to you and saying, don't follow the same path. Yes, have this prophetic side that says, I'm not going to just bow down to everything. I'm not going to go with the flow with the rest of the world, but also have this humble spirit that goes, God, I don't know, man. I'm going to let you lead. I'm going to let you use the elders of the church, and I'm just going to come under their leadership because they seem like godly people. I'm reading the scriptures. I'm looking at the qualifications. They're qualified. Maybe I think I know more than them. Maybe I'm smarter than them, but the church is never going to work that way if everyone thinks they've got a better plan, and everyone wants to be a decision maker, and then no one wants to be a disciple maker, and we're all trying, I want to make a decision. I want to make it. And meanwhile, no one's being cared for. No one's really brought up in the faith. And rather than trying to be on a board, man, we should be getting on our knees and saying, God, I just, man, work through those guys. Work through these guys. I just want to do my part and I want to attach myself and be one with this body because I just want to be with a group of people and I want to see the glory of God. And so, Father, I just pray right now for a spirit of humility on me and repentance and in this room, God, that we would be a part of churches, real churches, not going to church, not going to service, but attaching ourselves and being one with other believers so that the world would believe and so that we can experience your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast. Join us next time for a new episode. But until then, for more resources from Crazy Love Ministries or to support the work of Crazy Love, please visit our website at crazylove.org.